The Productive Woman, Episode 247. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thanks so much for joining me. Welcome. If you are new here, welcome for the first time. And if you've been around for a while, I'm so glad you've come back. In this episode, I'm going to share a few thoughts on productivity concepts or principles that I think it's important to remember. You'll find more information and links in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 247. This episode is brought to you by Gusto and by Beauty by Design. Gusto offers modern, easy payroll benefits and HR support to small businesses across the United States. They were even named the best online payroll by PC Magazine. And as a productive woman listener, you'll get three months free when you run your first payroll with Gusto. So give it a try at gusto.com slash TPW. That's gusto, G-U-S-T-O dot com slash tpw. This episode is also brought to you by Beauty by Design. So as we all know, some things are good for our skin, other things not so much. But did you know that there are over 64 skincare mistakes most of us are making, and some of them could be seriously harming your skin? They're things you're probably not even thinking about. I know I've made a few of them before. I have a list that was provided to me, uh, for instance, on number two, It's wasting money on products you don't need. Many of our home bathrooms contain a dirty secret, the graveyard of skincare. This is a drawer or a cabinet that contains all the half-used bottles you've discarded, often thousands of dollars, at least hundreds of dollars of waste in there. These products were clearly not what your skin needed, so guessing on skincare is expensive and can add up. Another item on the list, number six, is using the same products year-round, and I have been guilty of this. We're all creatures of habit. We're going to talk a little bit about habit this week. And when you find skincare that works, we we stick with it. But six months later, we may notice the same products aren't producing the same results anymore. And you may blame the brand thinking they changed their formulas. But what's really happening is your skin has changed. It changes with the seasons, as your hormones change, as you move to new climates, as you have babies and so on. So, you know, those are two of the mistakes we may be making. Well, that's why I was excited to find out about Beauty by Design. This company was started by former executives at places like Sephora, Proactive, and others, so they know what they're talking about. And with Beauty by Design, you never have to make another skincare mistake because they give you completely personalized skincare routine while providing everyday guidance from experts. They connect you with a live esthetician that you can text for free for life. Your esthetician picks from her huge arsenal of skincare products to create over 5,000 possible regimens. Everything is personalized for your needs with options at different price points that you choose. It's basically concierge service without the concierge price tag. And the beauty by design process is super simple and convenient. I spent 
maybe two minutes answering a few questions about my skin. And I sent a selfie, which was a little scary for me. Then I had a short consultation with my esthetician and got a detailed diagnosis and personalized product recommendations. Simple, easy peasy. You only order the products you need when you need them and shipping and returns are always free. I really enjoyed the products I bought and I'll confess that I am a born skeptic, but I have actually seen a difference in the texture of my skin since using these products. I really appreciated the suggestions for my esthetician, Erica, and how she checks in with me from time to time to see how the products are working for me. And I can text her whenever I want to with a question. Just that for me makes it completely worth it. So I recommend Beauty by Design. To learn more about it, visit beautybydesign.com slash TPW and be sure to use the promo code TPW because first time customers will get 20% off by using that promo code TPW at beautybydesign.com slash TPW. I hope you check it out and let me know what you think. All right, let's get into our topic here. I had a birthday recently. Those of you who are on my email list, you know that. And you know also that I am now wrapping up the fifth year of the Productive Woman podcast. So the Productive Woman will have its fifth birthday coming up on July 1st of 2019. And as happens with me, these kinds of milestones have me pondering about where to go next, which leads me to thinking about where I've been, what I've learned, and what I think is important in the area of productivity and making a life that matters. And as I've thought about those things and been doing some reading and stuff, I thought I'd share some of my thoughts with you. Most of these are things I've talked about before in one way or another in past episodes, but I really believe these are the things that are worth reiterating and reminding all of us, including me, to keep these in mind as we are working on our our individual journeys toward making a life that matters. And so I came up with sort of 10 thoughts, concepts, ideas, however you want to label them, related to productivity and making a life that matters that I want us all to remember. So number one, and this sounds kind of obvious, but In order to get anywhere, you need to have a destination in mind. I mean, if you don't know where you're going, how can you possibly get there? And that's true when you're making a trip. It's true when you're setting goals. In order to accomplish anything, you have to have an outcome in mind, right? Having that destination, what it is you're trying to accomplish, where you're trying to go. Well, for me, creating that destination, coming up with that outcome starts with thinking about who I want to be. I think that's more important than thinking about what I want to do, because it goes to what I value, what what legacy I want to leave behind in terms of um, how I want to be remembered. What I do should reflect the kind of person I want to be. The goals I focus on and the actions I take to achieve them should, I think, grow out of the kind of person I want to be. And if they don't, I'm living a disintegrated life and it will be hard to find satisfaction. If you are, and we've, we talked about this before, I think this is in James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, that when we are pursuing actions that are 
inconsistent with who we are as a person, with how we view ourselves, we're going to have this disconnect that makes it very hard to have a satisfying, meaningful life. And that's what I'm talking about, this disintegrated. I mean, the word disintegrated is not integrated, falling apart. And I think that if we are focusing on goals that are not consistent with the kind of person we want to be, we're going to be dissatisfied, we're going to have a hard time getting where we want to be. So that's my first kind of thought, concept, idea, whatever, that because in order to achieve something, you've got to have a destination in mind. For me, it starts with thinking about the kind of person I want to be um, and going from there, developing goals from that. Number two thing that I think we should remember is that whatever we say we value, our calendar and our checkbook tell the truth. And what I mean by that is where we spend our time and money says a lot about what's important to us at this moment or at the time we're scheduling or spending, because we always make time for what really matters. I I truly believe that. And I don't say that to condemn anybody who's, who's not accomplishing the things they say they want to accomplish, because I'm in that position. I have to be honest with myself to say that what I'm spending my time on and my money on. That's what matters most to me right now. And if something really matters, I will make time for it. This ties back to last week's discussion about why we do what we do. If the way we're spending our time and money doesn't reflect our values and our priorities, we need to think about why that is. What value are we getting out of what we're doing and we're buying? Remember, we talked about that last week, that when we are acting in a way that's not consistent with what we say we value or that's not in our best interests, we're doing it because we're getting something out of it. And so if we are spending our time and our money on things that aren't consistent with what we say and truly believe is valuable and a priority, what are we getting out of it? Are we getting security? Are we buffering like we talked about last week? What is it that we're getting by what we do and what we buy? And do we want to address that in another way to make sure that our calendars, that is how we're using our time, and our checkbooks, that is how we're spending our money, that those things line up more consistently with our truest and deepest values. This is something I've been thinking about a lot, because I'll confess that my calendar and my checkbook haven't lately reflected what I really, truly, deeply value. So I've been having to go through this process of why am I spending my time on those things? Why are those things showing up on my calendar if they're not consistent with what I value most? And why are the things that I value truly deeply value not showing up on my calendar? And what am I going to do about that? So that's number two, whatever we say we value, our calendar and our checkbook tell the truth about what matters to us right now. And being aware of that, taking a look at that can lead to us being a little more conscious and intentional about what we're doing and why. Number three in my 10 concepts, thoughts, things I want to remind us all about. I've said this before more than once, but it bears repeating because this is something that's really been on my mind and heart lately. 
and this, I hope you hear this, what you do matters. So this goes back to number two, does our calendar reflect what we value? Uh, Are we doing the things that are consistent with our values? So number three, what you do matters, but you are not what you do. I'm going to say that again, as I've said it before, what you do matters, but you are not what you do. Your value as a person is not in what you do. It is not in what you produce. It is not in the results that you come up with. That is so important to remember. We, especially in the United States, and I can't speak to other other countries and kind of what their cultural ethos is, but here we are judged by our results. We are judged by what we do. The first thing you ask people often is, so what do you do? Meaning, what is your job? We define ourselves that way. And if we are not successful enough in our job, if we're not producing the kind of results that other people think we should, or that we think we should, or the results we think other people think we should, then we think that reflects on who we are as a person and the value that we're contributing. It's just not true. You are valuable and worthy as a person, regardless of what you do or don't do. That's why I think that's important to remember, because it is why failure isn't fatal. Failing at a goal we pursue or a task we undertake, that doesn't define us. It doesn't define our worth. And that means that we can try without fear of failure, as long as we don't make it mean something about who we are as a person. This is a really hard lesson for me, because I am one of those who, when I fail, and I do fail, we all do, when I try something and don't achieve it, it's real easy for me to make that mean something about who I am as a person, or what my value is. And that over the course of my life has prevented me from trying things because if failing at a task means I am a failure, then I don't want to feel that way. I don't want to be a failure. So it's better to not try something new, to do only the safe things, the things I know I can succeed at. But that's such a limitation to put on your life. And I encourage you to remember that what you do matters. We talk about those things, setting goals, taking action to achieve them, doing our best work, putting ourselves out there in the world. Those things matter, but you are not what you do. And there's more to who you are than the work you do and the results you put out into the world. I read this, there's a website that I enjoy. I get a periodically, I get a, an email from them with a link to their newest post. And it's a website called My Morning Routine. And it's just short posts where people from various walks of life answer questions about their morning routine, what they do in the morning and what they accomplish with it. And a recent one was focused on a person named Rick Smith. And I I can't even remember now. He's the CEO of some company. I don't remember what. And here's what he said in talking about productivity and and how his morning routine has developed and what he does with his life. And I thought this was so good. He says, I have no interest in turning myself into a hyper-efficient automaton of productivity. I aspire to work hard, create wonderful things, and cultivate deep and meaningful relationships, which are the core of a happy life experience. My work is a big part of who I am, but it is not everything. 
Oh, I thought that was so good. I want to say that again. I have no interest in turning myself into a hyper-efficient automaton of productivity. And that's, boy, I that resonated so much with me because the risk of talking about productivity, of having a podcast about productivity is feeding into that that thing we have going of measuring ourselves by how much we produce and defining productivity in terms of how much stuff we get done and being efficient and effective and all those things. And those things are important, but they are not defining. They're not the most important thing. And uh, that is something I think we all need to remember. We're going to keep talking on this podcast about how to set goals and how to achieve them and all that kind of stuff, because it does matter, but it's not the most important thing. Because what you do matters, but you are not what you do and your value is not in what you produce. So that's number three. And that leads into number four, which is something, and I struggled with how to articulate this, but number four, the the thing I think we need to remember is about the importance of our self-talk. I believe so much that managing our minds is the key to managing our results. And what you say to yourself matters far, far more than what anybody else says to you. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and I ran across something in a quote. I think this was in, I I get an email newsletter periodically from Marie Forleo. And I think this is where I said it. I know it. She's the one who said it. And this is what she said. Make no mistake. What we say to ourselves in the privacy of our own minds matters. It drives our behavior, which drives our destiny, which shapes our world. I'm going to say that again, because this is just, I hope you're hearing, I hope, I hope this is resonating with you the way it did with me. This is what Marie said, make no mistake, what we say to ourselves in the privacy of our own minds matters. It drives our behavior, which drives our destiny, which shapes our world. This is so consistent with what we've talked about elsewhere, including in last week's episode about why we do what we do. What we think, that's what we say to ourselves in our minds. What we think creates our emotions, which drive our actions, which create the results in our life. And it goes beyond that. What we say to ourselves as it drives our emotions and therefore our actions and our results, as Marie says, it drives our destiny. That's the results we have. And it shapes the world around us. It affects other people. So it is so important that we manage our own self-talk. Now, and as I said, what I say to myself, as Marie said, in the privacy of my own mind, matters far, far, far more than what anybody else says to me or about me. It is the most significant factor in everything and about how I feel about the world and what I'm putting out into the world. Now, that doesn't mean that what other people say doesn't matter. What other people say to you in person via social media and movies and on TV, it affects what we say to ourselves. 
we may not be even aware of how much our self-talk is influenced by what we're seeing in the world, what we're putting into our heads. Uh, The images of what a woman is supposed to be is a common example when people talk about we, we measure ourselves by, you know, some model in a magazine or on TV. And we look at ourselves and we, the thing we say to ourselves is, I don't measure up often. So what other people are saying, the communications out there affects what we say to ourselves. So I would say, we all need to pay attention to who we're listening to. Are the people you're listening to, whether those in your life that you know personally, or the people that you're listening to on social media or in TV and movies and things, are they feeding you words that help or hurt? Is their input helping you achieve the results you want in your life? If not, remember, you can choose to remove yourself from their influence. If the people that you're listening to are motivating you toward negative self-talk, consider whether you need to remove yourself from their influence and deny those people the privilege of speaking to you. Because managing our minds, I truly believe this is the key to managing our results and creating a life that matters. So that's number four about self-talk. Number five is sort of related to this. And that is, this is a thought that has come to me, something I've been thinking about a lot lately. We don't have to wait until we achieve our goals to be happy. This ties back to that whole self-talk thing and the idea that we talked about last week that we do things because of how we think we'll feel when we've done them. We set goals often, whether consciously or not, because of how we think we're going to feel when we achieve them. And so we say, when I finish school, or when I lose the weight, when I get that promotion, when I get married, when I get divorced, when I have a baby, when my kids leave home, when one of these things happens, then I'll be happy. That's what we tell ourselves, whether consciously or not. And I think there are three problems with this. First of all, we're deferring happiness to some future time, thus denying ourselves the right to be happy now. And I think that's a problem. The second problem with it is that being productive, accomplishing whatever that goal is, won't necessarily make us happy. But happy people do tend to be more productive. There have been studies about this. And finally, and maybe most important, nothing outside of us will ever make us happy. We think it will. We think if I get this thing, if I accomplish that thing, if if this thing will happen, if that person will do something, then I'll be happy. If I accomplish my goals, I'll be happy. But it's simply not true. Happiness, like every emotion, comes from within, from how we choose to think about ourselves, about our circumstances, and about the people around us. And if we are not happy now, We will not magically become happier just because we accomplish something or because something in our life changes. On the other hand, if we can learn to manage our minds now and create that happiness from within, if we can give ourselves permission to be happy now before we achieve the goal, we can then be happy now and when we've accomplished our most cherished goals 
We do not have to wait until we achieve our goals to be happy. I think that is so important to remember. Number six, time, energy, and attention are the most precious resources we have. And they are finite, limited, irreplaceable, and the key to everything. How we spend those resources, time, energy, and attention determines what kind of life we live. How we manage them determines what other resources we have. How we manage our time, energy, and attention will determine how much money we have, how many friends and what kind of friends we have, what things we accomplish. All those things are determined by how we manage the finite and irreplaceable resources of our time, our energy, and our attention. So that's number six. I truly believe that. And it's so important to remember that because it goes into number seven, which is that it is crucially important to focus our resources on the right things. And this is sort of embodied in the Pareto principle, which you may have heard of referred to as the 80-20 rule or the law of the vital few. This was a concept that was developed a long time ago, originally in the economics world, and the idea that the 20%, the vital few, are worth more in terms of results than the other 80% combined in the terms of results or the benefits gained. Uh, Again, this was developed in the economics world. It's been applied all over the place. And as applied in the productivity space, the concept of of the Pareto principle or the 80-20 rule is that 80% of the results in any situation will come from 20% of the causes. So for instance, 20% of your actions will give you 80% of your results or your satisfaction or your value. Another application is that 80% of your income comes from 20% of your clients or customers. That's kind of how it applies in various contexts within the productivity space. And I think we forget this rule at our peril because we, we often will find ourselves spending time, energy, and attention, those finite precious resources on those tasks or projects or goals or whatever that are easier, but don't give us the result on our investment. So the 80% that give us the lesser amount of return sometimes are easier. And so we'll turn to those and do those things and not have the resources available to spend on the 20% that will get us the most results. So to make the best use of your time, energy, and attention, spend them on those tasks or projects or goals or whatever that will give you the most progress towards what matters most to you. It's so important to spend those finite resources wisely. So as an example, applying this to goal setting, uh, there's a guy named Brian Tracy who has a great blog. I'll put a link in the show notes. Here's what he suggests. He says, and I'm quoting here from his article, here's what you should do in order to effectively apply the 80-20 rule to setting smart goals that will boost your overall productivity. First, take a piece of paper and write down 10 goals. Then ask yourself, if you could only accomplish one of the goals on that list today, which one goal would have the greatest positive impact on your life? 
and then pick the second most important goal. So you ask that same question, but the first, you know, you, you, you list the 10, you look at them and say, if I can only do one of these things today, which one would have the greatest positive impact on my life? And then which one would have the second greatest positive impact in doing that? this exercise that Brian Tracy recommends, you've now identified the most important 20%, the two things out of 10 that will help you more than any of the other eight. And he says, you should continue to work at those goals that you've chosen as the most valuable all the time. So putting your time, your energy, and your attention on that 20%, the vital few that will have the greatest positive impact on your life will make it a wise investment of your time, energy, and attention. So that's number seven. Number eight, what you do habitually matters more than what you do occasionally. Our habits create our life. We've talked about this in the past. We talked about it a little bit last week. There's a link in the show notes for last week's episode, 246, to other episodes where we've talked about habits and how important they are. What you do habitually, those habits, those things you do regularly create our life. And so it's important to focus more attention on our daily habitual actions than we do on the occasional big efforts and grand gestures. Courtney Carver, author of Soulful Simplicity and a past guest on the show on Instagram recently said, if you want to change your life, change your day. I thought that was so good because the actions and activities that make up our days are what create our life. And if you don't like how your life is going, look at your habits, look at those things, not the big, grand, huge things, but those regular habitual actions that you're taking. And if you change those, you'll get the result you want for your life in general. So that's number eight. Number nine is kind of tied to that. Small steps taken regularly will lead to progress. And it's important because that's a more sustainable approach than huge all out efforts that can wear you out, wear you down, ultimately lead you to giving up. I mean, the example that comes to mind is how every January, people who haven't worked out for months show up at the gym, the gym is crowded, you can't get to the machines you want, because everybody has set a goal that they're going to get fit and lose weight and do all this stuff. And they just go all out. And then the next day, you know, within a week or so, the gym's back to its normal attendance, because people have push too hard, taken this big step and worn themselves out, maybe injured themselves. And now they've given up because it's not sustainable. But all you need to do to get where you're going is take small steps. So how this applies, I mean, whatever goals you have, and let me just say, I hope you're setting big audacious goals that you're excited about that maybe scare you a little bit, but whatever they are, every one of them has to be accomplished one tiny step at a time. So 
the approach, the way you achieve whatever goal you've set for yourself is to take the time to break it down, that goal, that project, that idea, whatever it is, into the smallest possible steps, tasks that can be completed in one location with one set of resources in one increment of time. One writer put it this way in an article, and I'll put a link to this in the show notes because it's a short article, but it's worth reading. And, And this is what he said. Ask yourself, how can I take a step so small that it is impossible to fail? Um, He says he got that from a book called One Small Step Can Change Your Life. And he says, the writer of this says, I ask it this question every single day when reviewing my projects and task lists, asking yourself, so you've broken your project down into small steps and you ask yourself, what is that tiny step I can take that I can't fail? Cause it's so small that he says in the article, he says it melts resistance away. And when asked frequently keeps you on track and energetic to keep going. I love that. So the idea is whatever your big audacious goal is, you're going to break it down into tiny steps, the smallest possible steps that you will put on your task list, that you will put on your calendar, schedule time to do that. Because once you've broken it down into those small steps, you can start chipping away at it, moving the needle, so to speak, moving towards accomplishing that goal. Because the way you accomplish anything is by doing one small piece of it, and then another, and then another. I mean, you run a marathon, Maybe that's your goal to run a marathon, but you run a marathon literally one footfall at a time. You don't do one big leap from the beginning to the end. You take one step and then another and then another, and that's how you run a marathon. You write a book, one word, literally one letter at a time. You earn a degree, one semester, one course, one assignment at a time. So the way you achieve things is one small step at a time. And those small steps taken regularly will get you where you want to go. This goes back to number eight, because what you do habitually matters more than what you do occasionally. Identify what those steps are and then schedule them and take them one at a time. So that was number nine. And number 10, finally, I believe this, I think it's important. We've talked about it before, but it's important to remember. And so it's worth reminding us all. I believe productivity is not about what you do. It's about what you produce. It's about the outcome, the results. And whether that's widgets or words or children or whatever, anything else, you are productive if you are producing results. That's the kind of simple definition of it. So if you are producing something, some result, you are being productive. If the results you are producing are meaningful to you and consistent with the values you hold most sacred, then you're making a life that matters. So those are the 10 
thoughts that I, I thought it was worth reminding us all things that I want to remember as I'm just past a birthday milestone as I'm coming up on the fifth birthday, the fifth anniversary of this podcast. These are things we've talked about before, but I wanted to bring them all up again and remind us all. So what do you think? Are these concepts or ideas that you think are worth remembering? What is a productivity concept that you think we should remember? I'd love it if you'd share those with me. You can do that in the comment section of the show notes for this episode, which you'll find at theproductivewoman.com slash 247. Or you can post it on the Productive Woman Facebook page. If you are a woman who listens to this show, and you're not already a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, please join us there. That's a great place to have a conversation about productivity and about making a life that matters. I'd love to hear from you there and continue this conversation. If you prefer to share your thoughts on this topic with me privately, you can email me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com and I will respond to you. It may not be immediately, got a lot going on, but I cherish every email I get from someone who listens to this show and I do respond. So I'd love to hear from you, your thoughts on this subject and the other things that we're talking about on this podcast. Before we go, a quick reminder about our sponsor, Gusto. If you have a business or you know somebody who does, you already know that small business owners wear a lot of hats. And some of those hats are really great, a lot of fun, very rewarding. Others, for instance, like filing taxes, running payroll, yeah, those are not so great. They're necessary, but not as much fun. Well, that's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and HR actually easy for small businesses. They offer fast, simple payroll processing, benefits, and expert HR support all in one place. For instance, they can automatically pay and file your federal, state, and local taxes so you don't have to worry about it. And they make it really easy to add on things like health benefits, even 401ks for your team. Those old school clunky payroll providers just were not built for the way modern small businesses work, but Gusto is. So let them wear one of your many hats because you have better things to do. Productive Woman listeners get three months free when they run their first payroll with Gusto. So try a demo. Check it out and see for yourself how it might help you at gusto.com slash TPW. That's gusto, G-U-S-T-O, gusto.com slash TPW. And of course, to check out Beauty by Design's concierge service and improve your skincare, visit Beauty by Design, all one word, beautybydesign.com slash TPW and use the promo code TPW to get, if you are a first time customer, 20% off. That's promo code TPW at beautybydesign.com slash TPW for 20% off. And thank you so much to Beauty by Design and to Gus for supporting the productive woman. And that is it for this episode of the productive woman. As always, thank you for spending this time with me. I'm so grateful that you're here. I hope you feel like it was worthwhile and that you found something that is helpful to you or encouraging. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. (music) 